Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. Chapter 15. Going to be going all the way toward the end of the book. You know, several years ago, we did a study through First. Corinthians, when we talked about, you know, carnal Christian community that was being corrected. As we look at this particular text, he was answering the question as they were being bombarded, like today, with people that were saying the resurrection did not happen. I mean, they had, they had proof in the lives of the people that were changed that should have told them. But they also had the witnesses and people that were still alive. But he was answering that so that they would be settled. And today, I want to point us towards, as we put a title on this text, is living in light of the resurrection. Whether people say or believe it, say it is true or not, believe it is true Or not, that we must live as those who will follow Christ and those who desire to, that there is a way to live in light of the resurrection. Can you stand with me as I read? I'm going to read more of that chapter, but that text is embedded. The time that we will spend the most is in verses 50 through 58. I'm reading from the ESV. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound And the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on the immortal. When the perishable puts on the imperishable, and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is Swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Father, I pray that as we get into your word that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Father, would you just reveal your truth of your word, illuminate it to us. It is there already. May we see what's there. And, Father, as we see it, 
Let it be that which you use to transform us more and more into the likeness of Jesus Christ, your son. And so this morning, I pray that all distractions will be set aside. Lord, all tiredness, uh, Father, all desires to be somewhere else. Lord, I pray that right now we would have laser focus on your word. And that as we do, Lord, as we do, we would be able to hear what you intended for us to hear today. Empower us, O oh Lord, to live for you. Those that may, that may have come here not having a relationship with you, may they see the critical need to have them, but may they have a desire to be close to you, Father. We ask you this in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Jesus' resurrection is a fact. Whether we believe it or not is not the issue. It is our choice whether we receive that or we reject it. And because of that, I have a question is, how are you living in light of the fact that Jesus resurrected. How are you living in light of the resurrection? See, I say, and I start off that with Jesus is resurrected is a fact. Why? Because it is. But also there, our society, our world today loves to debate the truth of something. And they believe that if we debate hard enough, long enough, loud enough, it changes what is true. And we know, we know belief never changes truth. See, people will say, why do you do that? Uh, it's because of what I believe. Mm -mm. Why do I do it? Because it's true. See, you can believe something that is untrue, and your belief doesn't change that. And you can believe something that is true, and your belief didn't help that. Truth stands alone by itself and doesn't need your help nor mine. If it needs my help, it's probably not truth. And so the resurrection is a fact. And we can live out of that resurrection. And so Paul here, as he spent time in the whole chapter of 15, in the beginning from 1 through 9, he talks about the critical nature of the resurrection. He says from verse 3, something like this, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day, in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, then to the 12, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, for those of you who think there is no evidence, most of him are whom, I mean, most of whom are still alive, stop there, what do you think he's doing? Go check. Though some have fallen asleep, 
Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called up an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. And so we see up front that that fact we have to understand Paul didn't proclaim this trying to get followers, uh, trying to get people to believe what he was saying. He said that this thing happened according to God's word as he said he would. That's why when the angels stood before them, when they were looking for Jesus at the tomb and said, he is not here, he is risen just as he said. The issue is your faith in the resurrection is not based on some fairy tale, is not based on you hope this is true. It is fact. It is witnessed fact. And it is life-changing fact. And because of that, there are three things I want us to see this morning from our text about living in light of the resurrection. One would be that your perspective must be correct of the life that you are to live in light of the resurrection. Your perspective must be correct. Second thing I want you to see is that your purpose must be clear. Why you are living this post-resurrection life, your purpose must be clear. And then lastly, your practice here on earth, your practice must be proper. We're going to look at those three things this morning. So firstly, your perspective must be clear. I love this because first thing I want to see is there is a difference and a distinction that must be understood. He says it in the beginning. He goes, I tell you, this brother's flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit imperishable. Paul makes a distinction here. There is that which perishes, which and that word again just means to decay, to diminish, to go away. In essence, to disintegrate. We know what that is. You buy fruit, and if your fruit is not pumped with a ton of preservatives, it will diminish, it will fade, it will mold, it will rot. Be very afraid of a fruit that you've kept for a month and nothing has happened to. Don't know that you want to eat it. I've shared this a lot (laughs) We, we learned that truth real quick when we first got to Europe and lived. You know, they, they had that apartment set up for Americans. We had the big fridge the, because the, Euro, the European fridge is about maybe that big. So we had the big standard fridge and we had the big standard cupboards and, and, and the big stoves. Everything was meant in that building um, specifically for those from the West and more specifically America. And we loved that apartment, and we went shopping like Americans, and we brought that food home and stacked it like Americans, and then we learned we better start living like Europeans because all that food spoiled about two to three days later because we couldn't eat all that we bought. We bought for a couple of weeks. That food was only um, meant to last a couple of days. It perished. So we know what perishing is. What we don't know is what imperishing is. 
See, we say we buy imperishables. That means it's going to have a long shelf life. You got a can right now. If you were to go and check the expiration date on your can, it might be two years from now. It's a little concerning, but it might be two years from now on that can. But they call that an imperishable. No, actually, it's just a longer perishable. Imperishable means it is unending in existence. It doesn't stop. It doesn't disintegrate. It is undecaying. And so what Paul is getting us to understand is there is a distinction that exists in our world, and you must have the proper perspective of this distinction if you are going to live in light of the resurrection. There is a perishable. Everything around us us included, meaning these bodies, everything that you have on, the chairs that you sat on, that nice ride that you came in, perishable. Everything on this planet, perishable. So what that tells me is that he wants me to make a distinction between life on earth that will end, that is disintegrating, that is decaying, and that life that is somewhere else that is unending, that cannot disintegrate, that will go on forever and ever. And he makes it in the beginning. He says, understand, your perspective must be, you must understand that flesh and blood, that the kingdom that God is talking about, the one that has entered and is coming to be but not fully yet, is one in which you cannot inherit or acquire or possess as we are. It is imperishable, which means you and me in our current state cannot take hold fully of God's kingdom, which means however you're living now, this is not it. This is the perishable part. And he wants us to have a perspective that there is an imperishable part. I know we hear phrases like, you ought to live your best life now. As I heard one person say, if you live in your best life now, what's coming next is not good. See, Jesus intended for us to live well here and to live better later. And when I say well, I know that can be defined in several ways. We define well according to his will. It doesn't mean the absence of pain and a life of total ease because that's what people would want you to believe. Come to Jesus. You've heard me say he'll hook you up. Everybody would come if that was the case. But the issue is come to Jesus and you'll live well. And in the imperishable time, you'll live better. And so we see here the perspective he wants us to have is perishable versus imperishable. The kingdom of God cannot be acquired or possessed by mortals. We, we cannot. It reminds me of my love of, of, of superhero movies, you mere mortals. I mean, but that's what we are. But with Christ, we become more. 
you and I, as I stated before, in our perishing state and place cannot possess or acquire the kingdom of God. There must be a change of our state. And I don't mean Indiana versus Ohio, meaning how we are, our physical state. There must be a change in our state and place of where we live. So not only does he want us, our perspective to change, he wants our purpose to be clear. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. So he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And we know that he is talking about that parousia. He is talking about that time when we will be gathered together with him. This should bring both hope and give you a purpose. And that purpose is not for you to spend your life thinking only about here. He gives you something to look out toward and forward to. This is not some pie in the sky that you forget about life here. All you look forward to is heaven. I can't wait for heaven and you do nothing here. No, what he is, what he is giving us actually is an anchor. And we know that with ships that are out at, I mean, that are coming into dock, they drop that anchor so it would hold them where they are. And sometimes that, that, that anchor has a good amount of play, and so that ship may, may go out, but it is eventually anchored in, all things being equal, anchored, and it will not go further than that anchor allows. What we see with Christ and our purpose is embedded in these next few verses. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling or in the batting of an eye at the last trumpet, we get more of that in Thessalonians. He said, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. There's that change. There's that change of state, body, and place. He says, will be raised imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. And then he says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying, death is swallowed up in victory. And so my first point on that is this. You must live for the imperishable while you live in the perishable. See, here's how people have it flipped today. You must live for and in the perishable. And Paul says that if all we have is hope in this life, he was talking about as followers of Christ, we are to be most pitied. Why? Because there's nothing else. If this is it, it's why people are fighting and killing and scratching and deceiving and manipulating because if this is all you have, you better try and get everything you can because you are living for and in the perishable. But please understand what you are actually doing. You are giving everything to that which will ultimately end. It is why some people today can't take it. They think about the career that they're having, and you may be having a great one. They think about the success in their business that they're having, and you may be having a great one, all for it to end. It will ultimately end, 
or the other side of it. You are suffering hard. Life is not easy. That climb has been tough day in and day out, and you're trying to figure out how I'm going to make this work. And if you look at this is it for me for the rest of my life, and then that's it, you're overwhelmed and overcome with misery, which is why you have some people that say, I can't take it anymore. There's nothing to look forward to. And so what Paul tells us here is that your purpose is to be able to view this properly. Your purpose must be clear. What is that? That you are to live for that time of unending existence. That's what you live for. So your decisions here are for there. So when I make decisions, I live in, come on, you got to go to work. You can't go to work tomorrow. Jesus paid it all. You better go pay your bills. You got to go make some money. You need to go get an education. You need to help your family to grow, and you need to go through life every day. We live in the perishable and enjoy it. Some Christians want to make you believe that you're not to enjoy anything God gives you here. You just wait for eternity. God gives you all things to enjoy, but not to be obsessed by. I live in this time, but I live for another. I live in my mortality. I know this is a look. I'm reminded when I get up day after day that I am perishable. Diminished capability, right, brotherly? Knees, heads, knees, and toes. I feel it. Issue becomes, we need to understand this is, this is not it. Some of us get, we get so bent out of shape, and I understand it because I do too. We get so sorrowful that we're diminishing. Get excited. No, I don't mean you walking along with this fake sense of happiness. No, understand this is part of it. Yes, we feel the sorrow because none of us like to be diminished in anything. We want to be on top forever. I want to be able to run track the way I did when I was 18. Now that I'm, I ain't telling you. <laughs> I want to be able to play ball. The way I did when I was younger now, I've stepped away because them ankles and knees remind me that I am perishable. You have it too. But we must be, you and I must be anchored well in eternity in order for us to live well in this temporary. See, the reason you and I may not be living the way we should is because we're trying to anchor our lives here. We're trying to anchor it in our jobs, in our families, in our neighborhoods where we live, in a, you fill in the blank. We are constantly trying to find a place. Now, now I'm settled. Now I'm settled. And what Jesus is telling you and I you are anchoring in the wrong place. 
If your life is not anchored in the imperishable, in the unending, in the immortal, you are going to have a hard time functioning here. Here's what I like. Verse 55, O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? I put this down as I was reading and, 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 and just punning on the message. It actually came later to me. You must understand the place of death um, that is for an unbeliever versus a believer. For an unbeliever, death is defeat. Think about this. The greatest person whom ever lived, whoever that was other than Jesus, the greatest person, the one who had it all, the one who was so successful. You think about people like Alexander the Great. Don't even know if Alexander had a surname. We just call him the Great. But guess what happened to Alexander the Great in his 30s? He died. And all that greatness died with him. You think of all of the greats, the greatest in your field of study, in your career, in entertainment. We've had greats that we have seen pass on, and we go another one and another one. All great. There are some greats now that will die. Death for the believer is a defeat. It ends whatever rule or reign that you had. And people are always in fear of it because it's an end. You ain't coming back. That's it. But for the believer, death is not a defeat. It's a door. It's an entrance into the imperishable. And Jesus wants us to know our purpose is that we live our lives for eternity in the present so that when death comes, we open that door. I kind of hesitate to share this example because the movie is a bit bloody and gory, but I still kind of liked it. And it's the movie Gladiator. And at the very end of the movie Gladiator, there's a scene where he is uh, where, where boy, he has that long name, Maximus, blah, 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 and all that. I don't remember his name. And, and, and he is dying. And you see the scene. He's always seen that where he's approaching the door, but now he's dying. And he comes and he pushes that door. I was like, they actually got it kind of right in that death is a door for the believer. But except on the other side, he was happy to see his wife and his son who had been killed earlier. You're not looking for them first. When you open that door, you are looking for the Savior. You are looking for the one that allowed you to go through it like a door. Yeah, you'll see other ones over there. People say, I'm just going to be looking for my grandma. No, you aren't. If you've been following Jesus, you're looking for him. Oh, they'll be there. Good to see you. But I'm here for Jesus. And so we know that for the believer, death is a door. And so we don't live or we don't have to live in the fear of death. Purpose. We don't. Why? Because he's won that victory. He says, because the sting of death is sin. The pierce death, what that's is, is when you die with, in your sins, unforgiven by Christ to die so that you could be forgiven. And when you die without it, that is an eternal sting. 
But he says then also the power of sin is the law in that God has the standard. And that standard is there and you keep seeing that you can't reach it. Why can't I attain it? Because you can't attain God's standard in your sin. I can't. That I need Jesus to change me, change my, my, my state, and, and, and have me live for something else other than myself in here. I live for him. And so then lastly, because of that, your practice must be proper. And here is how I live. Here is how I live in light of eternity. Therefore, since there is a difference between perishable and imperishable, mortal and immortal, since Jesus has made it that you can live for the imperishable while you live in the perishable, since Jesus had conquered death and for the believer it is a door versus being a defeat, since then, therefore, here's how you live. He says, therefore, be steadfast. You know that word actually means to be seated or sitting? Understand that. Where are you going when you're seated? Nowhere. What do they say when you come up to your house? Come in and have a seat. You come into someone's house and you're standing by the door. They ask you, you going to stay? Come in and sit down. That word steadfast means to be seated, which means I'm not going anywhere. So in my walk of faith, as I have understood that I am living for the imperishable, stay. Stay where? In the faith that is given through the scriptures. I'm not wondering if this morning am I going to live for God or not. That decision has been a, I'm not wondering if I'm going to listen to the Lord, if I'm going to fellowship with the believers, if I'm going to spend time in the word. You should be done figuring that out. Oh, the amount of time may vary, but time shouldn't. What he is telling us is, therefore, if you're going to live out of the resurrection, he tells us something to do. What is that? Remain. Don't leave. Be seated in the family. Be seated in the kingdom. Be seated in Christ. Stay for a while. You know how long that while is? Eternally. But then he tells us, if, if being seated wasn't enough, immovable that you won't be moved off past. You are unwavering. And again, we know this is an increasing measure. No, you don't have, you know, you don't have 10 years worth of steadfastness at one year, but that's okay. The standard is you keep growing in this. Seated, unable to be moved off course because the world is going to try and make you get out your seat and they want to move you off your spot because they want you to live like them because they think their life is better. The only problem is they can't see that their life is ending. It's perishable. It's like that banana that, you know, it may, it may last for, a, for one or two days if those days are, are, are in 20-year are in increments. It may last for three or four days but it's going to rot. And God is reminding you and I, enjoy it, but know it's going to end. And then the last one, it says, always abounding 
It says being over and above. In my family, one of my sisters used to always love calling people extra. You extra, man. You, you, you just always extra. And what the Lord is calling for here is you to be extra. Always abound. That what means over, to be always over and above. You are always going over and above. In what, though, is what he says. He says, so be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. And let me tell you, in the work of the Lord doesn't mean when you walk through these doors. It doesn't. I'm always working for the church. God is like, that's not what I'm calling you to. That's a part of it. But the work of the Lord is the mission that Christ has put us all on. Number one, proclaiming as we live for him in this world. Proclaiming him as we live for him in this world. Living for the purposes of God. Being able to sacrifice whatever we need for him. And so we are living for him to always be an extra in the work of the Lord. Why? He says... Because in essence, although everything here that you may attain, ultimately, physically speaking, is useless, he says, you, you have to know, understand as a fact, he says, because why? Knowing, he says, it is a fact that you can know, it is a guarantee that you can bank on, it's something that you can rest in, he said, knowing that in the Lord, now, let me qualify that. Not in your plans, not in what you decided to do. God, I, I, I thought this would work. Yeah, you thought it would, but it had nothing to do with him. That knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And that labor, that word again, is when you toil to exhaustion. That as you carry out the mission of Christ, knowing that you are living in the perishable for the imperishable, doing the work of the Lord, knowing death is coming, and that it is not a defeat for you but a door. He says, go on and live for me. Seated, not moving, always be an extra in the mission of the Lord. See, I love that because now, you're living with a purpose. Now you're living with a plan. Now you know how to deal with discouragement and exhaustion. Now you know how to deal when you seem that you're defeated or where there's a setback or where there's pain. Now you know how. God says, because you're living from my death and from my resurrection. So this morning, let me ask you, how are you living? How are you living? If you were to take a reflection of your life, are you living for the perishable and in it? Or are you living for the imperishable while in the for the imperishable while in the perishable? If you see that your life is purely for here, that can change. We celebrate the resurrection today because it happened, but it's because it's not for an elite people. It is for everyone. 
And Jesus said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, that he is who he said he is and that he came and did what he said he would do, and that if you believe in your heart that the resurrection did happen means that he is God for real and that he was raised up with all victory for our now living for him, you shall be saved, rescued, delivered. And if you've not done that, now is the best time to do that because you'll change forever. And Jesus will put you on mission, knowing that I don't have to fear the perishable because I have imperishable coming. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Lord, I thank you that we today, Lord, are reminded that life is temporary. Thank you for all the exciting parts of life that you give to us and you bring to us. The most exciting is that you saved us, those that know you. You changed us, Lord. You allowed us to come to know you. But, Father, the greatest thing is that we are in your family and we get to live forever, imperishably, unending existence. As our existence here ends, Lord. Father, I pray that we would not live for here, but for eternity as we live for you. Help us, Lord, to be anchored well in eternity, Christ in our life, so that we can live well here and nothing here can upend us because our anchor is not here. Father, I pray that we would, if we have confessed you, if we are in the family of God, Lord, that we would lean in to living for you and for eternity. I pray this week as we go about our days, may we enjoy what you have given us, what you have given us opportunity with. May we endure, Father, what, that, that which we need to because we live in a temporary sinful world, knowing Father, that the door is coming and that we will enter that time when we are with you forever. We ask you this in Christ's name. Amen. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today and we'll see you next week.